Hello and welcome to episode 257 of the In Squash podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Gibson, and today we have a fantastic episode. Olivia Blatchford-Klein joins us for the first time since 2019, and uh, obviously that's been far too long. I'd look back at that uh, time she was back on. We had such a good uh, good chat back then. I'm wondering what took us so long to have her back on again. Well, uh, she reminded me why. She's such an enjoyable person to talk to uh, under any circumstances, but given her recent run of form and the fact that it's uh, just not a purple patch of great squash, it really does appear as though she's added real value to the uh, to the squash skills she possesses. So we talked about her great run over the past couple of months, everything that's gone into the changes she's made, lifestyle and squash related. We also talk about the women's game in general and the recent final in Cincy where she held her own against world number one Noran Gohar. Olivia also, uh, we also chime in a bit on the recent junior and college uh, squash events uh, which have uh, hit social media as a result of the uh, the behavior issues on court. And uh, Olivia has some, some thoughts and opinions on that. And, of course, I'd be remiss if we didn't discuss uh, the current surge of talent in U.S. squash these days, particularly uh, among the women, uh, U.S. women finishing second at the world most recent world teams, and also the junior uh, success of uh, both uh, boys and girls, uh, as well as the group of young men that are coming through on the PSA tour, uh, battling to get into uh, into that top 30 uh, range. There are several, several of them there, and we talk all about that. So uh, before we get in, into it, though, let's talk about our sponsor, Open Squash. The New York-based nonprofit dedicated to bringing thousands of new people into the sport by making it more accessible and more affordable for everyone. They've brought on board several like-minded pros, like returning uh, to blackball this week, former world number one Ali Farag. In form, Victor Quinn, Gina Kennedy, who won a five-game match last night against Emily Whitlock, a fantastic uh, uh, fifth game for Gina there, uh, amongst other top players. Uh, they have several initiatives uh, on the go, including uh, the September 2023 launch of their new FIDI 8-core facility. Check out the website if you're interested in memberships, in, if you're in the New York City area. But also, uh, they have a breakdown uh and, and also, if you're in the, in the New York City area, they have a breakdown of their discounted membership deals. And uh, even if you're not in New York, you can check out the Open Squash Apparel, which you see a lot of the top players uh, wearing these days. Uh, the apparel's on offer. Uh, it, the, the apparel that's on offer includes Open Squash tees and hoodies, which are all really cool. So check out Open Squash at www.opensquash.org. So now let's do this episode 257 with uh, such a joy to chat with Olivia Klein. Hey, Jerry. Olivia, hi. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm, it's great to have you on uh, again. I was just looking back at the, the back catalog, and I swear I, I thought, you know, I've, I've had you on within the last year, but uh, 2019 uh, was the last time. Oh, wow. Doesn't time just flies by, eh? Totally. And I think with COVID, it was like the span of what, two or three years turned like, I don't know, felt like a, a, a thumbs click and all of a sudden it was 
five years later. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So my bad uh, for not having you uh, you on since then, but uh, I've had uh, <laughs> I've had Alan on uh, obviously uh, yep. a little more recently. So uh, so just wondering. I mean, uh, February was a bit of a you know a busy month for you, and uh, I guess the last couple of weeks has a feel to have a bit of. Uh, I'm guessing you've had a little bit of a reprieve there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean. When I got back, I had a couple of days to rest. And honestly, it's so funny when you're when you're in it, you know, it's like, oh, you know, I think I signed up for too many events. <laughs> Maybe I, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I'm like, oh, gosh, you know, this is a lot. I think um, the most anyone could play was 15 matches, right? Like if you were an unseated player to, to reach the, the end of the tournament. And so the most anyone could play in those three events was 15 matches. And I played 14. Um, so it was a lot. I haven't yeah. played that much since I think World Juniors Hong Kong 2007. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but yeah, it was nice. And and then by the time it was over, it was like, oh, I kind of wish I was waking up and doing the exact same thing I had been doing every other day. Uh, I was like sad that it was over. So, but it was nice to get home, and it was nice to get back to Alan and kind of get back to some semblance of normality because tournament time is one of those kind of weird spaces of time where everything's kind of suspended you're in like this groundhog's day of wake up breakfast get ready for match do this take nap wake up prepare play eat sleep and then you wake up and you hopefully if things are going all right do it again but it's nice to be back into a uh, a training routine and i love my training routine so yeah, I guess if you're in, in that routine where, you know, it's continuous day after day after day, then uh, maybe, maybe you're also doing something pretty well because you're... you're <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's everyone's different, everyone's unique, and I think when you find that bio-individual, you know, um, kind of mode of what makes you feel best, because it really is so unique to you and particular to you, and when you find that, I think that's what you stick with. I think it's easy to be like, okay, well, what is someone doing who's successful? And yes, there are elements of taking those tools from others who are successful and are, or are finding success rather, I like to say, but I think it's, it's more the values from that and then applying them to your own particular routine. That's going to get you the best bang for buck, bang for your buck, as opposed to following you know I could follow someone else's routine but not actually feel as great you know people make fun of me because I'm on the treadmill you know the day of my match and I have to I have to get my legs moving I have to get my lungs kind of alive and and uh and uh expanded and people always making fun of me like I'm you know I'm on the treadmill before I play and it works for me other people are like you're crazy how are you why are you doing that you're insane so yeah teach their own yeah, whatever work, whatever works for you. Well, you know, totally. huge, huge congrats on 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 your on the month of February. I mean, you, you had a tremendous run of form. Now, correct me Thank if I'm you. wrong uh, in terms of my uh, the research I've done here, but uh, the semis in Cleveland, uh, likewise at yep. the EAC Pro Classic, final run, finals in Cleveland, semis in Detroit, semis in Detroit, runner up. Uh, and, and that that's where you, sorry, in C Cincinnati, right? That was finalist as well. Yeah, finals two finals and a semifinal. Two finals and a semi, and you're back yeah. at, uh, 
your your top 15 in the world right now and so that's just yeah. like four, four spots off your your career best uh, of 11 so when you look back yeah. at um at february you must be you know at the month uh, i guess we're almost at the end of it here uh, <laughs> yeah. extremely satisfied you must be is it one of your uh, would you would you say uh, in your career one of your best months uh, ever yeah for sure i mean it's really it's tough because i think definitely just the conventional measurement of success where you're like, okay, how many matches can I play? You know, that's obviously I did very well. I, I beat quite a few top 10 players. I haven't had a top 10 scalp since a really, really long time. I want to say probably like four or five years since I've beaten a top 10 player. And I beat, I think four, four maybe um, in in that span. But I think uh, honestly, I, I think, it was my most successful, but not because of the results. I think it was kind of this miraculous thing where, you know, for the last couple of months, I've been putting in serious work and not just from like a physical point of view. I've always kind of worked hard um, physically, but I really went and kind of decided that I really wanted to change my life. I kind of had this moment of, I would say clarity really, it was I was lost, but it was also I was very clear in that moment that I'd kind of had enough of doing it the way that I'd always done it. And, you know, I was about to turn 30. I turned 30 a couple of weeks ago at the end of January. And I had this moment where I was like, it's like now or never, Olivia. Like, you, <laughs> I had this in, in the November. I was like, you're, you're either going to start making moves and not making moves for ranking. Like, the ranking is something I can't control. I have no control over whether I move up, I move down, who I, even who I be, but it was time to either go all in or I'm going to be 30, right? <laughs> like what's, you know, what's this, there's this kind of, you know, come to moment of I'm wasting my time a little bit and I'm wasting, and not just my time, I'm wasting the time of others who believe in me and support me, you know, and it's not fair to, fair to them either. I was like, you know what? I really want to do this. I don't want to leave stones unturned. I don't want to have regret in my life. And I'm not going to regret if I don't, you know, reach my goal of, you know, whatever, top eight in the world. I'm going to regret if I don't give every inch of me to that process. That's what I'm going to regret. So I think in in reality, it was this kind of funky moment of like wow this is actually it really is about this process and I I got lost in the process of competing just like I got lost in the process of rebuilding myself you know for the past how many months I I got lost in the process of competing and battling for this past month and geez it was so much fun I mean there's nothing like it you know Oh, it was fun watching it all play out. I mean, how much, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, you, you had these goals and you had this uh, moment of clarity, but now I'm just wondering, uh, you've probably heard it from all your supporters, your team, how much fuel do you get to see how satisfied and, and proud and happy they are uh, of the oh, result? It's, it's the best. I think one of my biggest compliments I ever got, my best friend, Hannah, who herself was an incredible Olympic level judo fighter. And uh, we were talking, we were watching squash other day. She's a huge squash fan. She's mm. married to one of my coaches, Stuart George. And we were, well, actually, we were watching Princeton 
play on the stream because obviously Alan's coaching at Princeton and I was like, this is so stressful. Like, is this what it's like to watch me? And she said to me, honestly, she's like the last four tournaments that you've played. No, it's not like that's not it's not like that at all, because it's so much fun to watch you play and just be your best self out there that whether you're winning or losing, there's no it's it's stress free. Obviously, we want you to win. But to see you being your best self is it's it's just you put us at ease. So even if it's okay, you make an error here or maybe you get a little bit desperate there, it's still there's no desperation. And I was like, wow, that's such a big difference. Cause usually, you know, all <laughs> everyone's pulling their hair out because they're making stupid decisions or making fatigue decisions or just genuinely not being my best self out there, my most authentic self. And I think it's pretty clear to me that all any of my village wants to see is me as my best version of Olivia. They don't care if I win or lose. Obviously they, I, I believe that they believe that I'm capable of winning and of, 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 and what my best self could be is, is quite a special caliber, but all they want to see is me trying to be my best self. And I think that they're seeing that and it excites me to see them so satisfied. And then it also motivates me because I know intrinsically that that's what they want to see all they care about is seeing me as my best self so what do i what am i motivated to do be my best self more <laughs> you know yeah yeah no definitely uh it, it's been inspiring uh, i've watched a few of the matches uh over over uh, throughout the month and uh you know like you said sometimes in, in the past it looked like you you made errors of desperation maybe for for various reasons and it was a little bit frustrating because i'm a fan uh, as well but, uh, <laughs> But, uh, you know, it, it really did look like you, you put your best uh, self out there. and uh, it, It's fun to watch. I'm just wondering, though, many, uh, just in terms of, you know, the, what you put on court in February, many felt, and obviously it was very clear that you looked a lot fitter and stronger. And clear, clearly uh, your, your squash and, and your racket skills are, are, are right there with the best in the world. So... Uh, was this uh, an effort on your part uh, just to work on on that side of the game? Yeah, totally. I, mm. So, you know, when I had this moment, and I was on I was on a flight back from Singapore um, in November, I had taken like a long tour. I was in Australia, New Zealand, Singapore, and I had you know on paper not such a good result in Singapore. And I'm on my way home, but you know when you're like kind of lost, and I couldn't read, I couldn't watch a movie. I, I was yeah. just sitting there i remember i was on the flight from through qatar qatar to philly was qatar to philly is like 14 hours yeah. and yeah. i couldn't do anything i was just like in my head thinking about things and i had this moment and i was like olivia and this is going to sound kind of crazy but it's the truth and honesty is always the best policy but i had this moment where i said the same person who can't resist going short off a ball that's too tight at 10 all in the fourth game is the same person who can't say no to, to a cookie when it's there. Right. And I was like, wow, that is the same per the person who's ca who can't, who's, who can't say, Hey, no, not today. It, that's the same person. That's the same habit. It's the same, you know, that the same value essentially that I was, you know, having, and like I said, I've always put in hard physical work, um, but stuff like nutrition has always been hard for me. Um, 
from a discipline point of discipline in general has been always hard for me. I've always gone through fits and spurts of being disciplined or at least pretending to be disciplined because if it, if it doesn't stick, it's not real discipline, is it? Um, but I also had this very negative mindset of everything's happening to me. And I look, everyone in the world has problems. I had a, a really tough couple of years. I lost my best friend to cancer. We had COVID. I had a loved one struggling with addiction. That was very hard. I had, it was a lot. It was just a lot of kind of an ongoing thing. And I seem to make everything like this, everything woe is me. Poor Olivia. Everything's so hard for her, you know, boo-hoo. And I really saw my life like that, like things were happening unto me. And I had this moment where I'm like, you are the problem. You know, that, that like Taylor Swift song, she's like, you know, it's me. Hi. You know, I'm the problem. Yeah. It's me. And I was like, you need to do some work here. This is not as, not as simple as going on the treadmill and doing a treadmill session because I do that. And I always have done that. This is doing the hard stuff. It's going to be uncomfortable. This is the, you know, waking up early in the morning and listening to motivational podcasts and reading motivational books and making your oatmeal and your protein instead of doing some stupid crash diet, you know, changing your nutrition, you know, actually being like, okay, what is it going to take in order for me to fuel my best performance? And yes, lose some weight, but get strong. And it's hard. It's not easy. This is like hard work to do. And everyone has their own mountain to climb with it, whether it's a skill-based thing or a mentality-based thing or a physical thing. But for me, it was very much this lack of discipline. And I like to think that when I'm watching my squash now, I'm seeing the person that I, I'm trying to fortify and to, to become making better decisions, being more disciplined on there, you know? So it was, it was, it was kind of about this crazy self-realization. I want to change and I want to be different. And regardless, and I said this to, you know, I guess I, I kind of cringe when I hear the, my team thing, cause I don't see myself as like the, the center of the, of the circle. I just see myself as a part of the circle. Um, but the, you know, I said to, I guess my, my, my people that, maybe we aren't going to see these results like on paper. Maybe we, maybe there's not going to be these, you know, crazy Februaries where you're doing so well and beating top 10 players that might take it until next fall. It might be this long process. And I have to be okay with that because the goal of transform of transforming myself, the goal of transformation is the most important thing because I want to be a happy person. First and foremost, I want to be Olivia best version for 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 all of my friends and family and loved ones for my husband outside of the court forget just the squash i just want to be the best version of myself that i can be for life the squash you know a happy person is a happy squash player which is a good successful squash player who plays well so it was definitely yeah i mean you know the nutrition was tough <laughs> <laughs> oh, for sure. So, uh, which begs the question, uh, how do you avoid, I mean, February, great, great. I, I, I'm the same way. I, uh, uh, New Year's resolution, no more uh, potato chips. And I've stopped. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it's been the most difficult thing I've ever done, I think. And uh, for some, <laughs> and some somehow I've managed. But uh, how are, uh, what, what are the keys? And you've, as you said, you've listened to a lot of podcasts, motivational stuff. What are the keys to avoiding uh, relapse? Um, 
one of the best books I read over this period of time was Atomic Habits by James Clear. And one of my favorite nutritional, uh, what I, I call him my guru, because I think he's just so spot on. And he's a scientist, so it makes sense as Lane Norton. And they both talk about this idea of identity change. So instead of being like Olivia, the old Olivia, who's like just changing a habit for six weeks and then is going to go back to old Olivia. Instead, we're saying, okay, I want to be a different kind of Olivia. I want to be this new version, this identity shift. And new Olivia doesn't, it's not like I'm going back to old habits. I'm actually building this new person. And James Clear puts it really well. For me, it was always casting votes for the person you want to be right so mm -hmm. in order for someone to be elected right you don't it doesn't have to be unanimous it just has to be the majority of people vote you know the majority of your votes have to go towards the person i want to be not the person that i am be you know i think i've yeah. had more of this exponential benefit from it because i cast i really did go pretty unanimous with i am going to go and do this 100% and and cast votes for this person but I think it's because I think that the avoiding relapse is because I'm or for anyone it would be, you're no longer that person. You're no longer that yeah. person, right? You've changed that part of you that is, you know, who needed that, you know, it's not like I don't enjoy a donut. Like I totally do. I just build it into my macros. I, I'm, I just literally, I'm like, did you hit your protein? Did you hit what you needed to do? Is it within your, was it within your programming? You want a donut? Enjoy your donut. And that's what I, that's what I do. But instead of it being this complacent, you know, very, uh, what's the right word, you know, automatic thing where it's thoughtless and careless, I like, act, you know, try and be very thoughtful with it and say, oh, you know, is this going to help me be a better person? Yeah, if it fits into my macros, makes me happy and it, it makes, keeps me motivated, enjoy that donut. Just like enjoy that, enjoy that rest day. Enjoy, you know, if my body's hurting, is this session going to make me better? Is it going to, is it going to hurt me more? Those are making educated, making educated decisions. But if I'm making those same decisions based on fear or, oh, well, this is going to be hard, then I have a very strict policy of, no, I vote for hard. I always try and make the vote for hard now, you know? Mm. Am I eating this donut because I really want to eat this donut or am I eating it because it's there and it would be easy to just eat it? Then I'm not going to do it. If it's easy to just skip the treadmill session, then I'm going to do it. Because that's the new me. I'm going to take that harder road, take that disciplined path. But I do think that identity shifting means that you're no longer the person with those bad habits. You're a person with those new habits. You're more equipped to deal with, you know, obstacles, so to speak. And even if your obstacles are potato chips, yeah, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, 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 definitely. That's going to give me more... Uh more fuel there to, to overcome any thoughts, uh, relapse or any relapse uh, occasions. But uh, yeah, really good stuff there, Olivia. Now, I know uh, I know you've been working uh, a little bit with uh, Timmy Brownell, Spencer yeah. website. And uh, Tim, Timmy uh, recently pulled off a huge, uh, almost a huge upset there in, in um, I think it was, yeah, Squash on Fire against. He, he yeah, it was the Victor. And uh, really, really great squash there. And he's he's shown that over the last couple of years that he's capable of doing it. But uh, just wondering, uh, how has it been training uh, and working with that crew? Oh, it's, it's fantastic. I mean, 
we had this like really tight knit group of people who are, who train, you know, mostly like we do our strength and conditioning together um, under the guidance of Bridget Romer, who's like the best SNC guru, uh, mentor, cheerleader in the whole wide world. And I think what we've kind of got this is this, it's a small group, but it, the energy is so high that we are constantly encouraging each other, challenging each other. And, you know, we're not doing easy things here, right? Like we're trying to, people are trying to, you know, squat, <laughs> double their body weight. They're trying to do pull-ups and, you know, they're pushing themselves to actually, you know, extreme exhaustion on the Versa climber and you're, everyone's like ready to puke. And mm. it's really, really hard but we have this energy of like, we've got this. And I definitely step into like my frat bro energy when I'm with them, which is fun, which is fun, right. To get a little bit meat, you know, <laughs> kind of meat heady and like all like that. But, you know, I think also there's just this, this, there's an excitement around what we're doing. And obviously with bang, he is well on court. We, there's just a lot of excitement of trying to get better of challenging ourselves. And, you know, we have a really gifted group of people. And I think, coming together, working hard, putting your selves on the line there. And there's nothing quite like it is there. So we're very lucky. And I love being around those guys. They're like my little brothers. They drive me crazy. Mm. Um, but I wouldn't yeah, trade they're, them. He's quite the character. <laughs> I, 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 oh, enjoyed, I enjoyed uh, the time I had with him uh, when we spoke here and uh, we have a mutual friend and he's always telling me some great uh, Timmy uh, anecdotes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah he, they're, I mean, both Timmy and Spencer are real characters, and it's great to have Todd and Shaw around. They're mostly um, in the gym with us, and obviously the girls, like, the, the standard here is just so high. Um, I think it's very hard to beat the setup here. I, I love it here. Um, I think... Is it is it as know, high as, a, as it's ever been for you at this point in time, like, just overall in, in terms of U.S. squash? Oh, absolutely. I mean, when I first was coming through, U.S. squash was, you know, didn't even have really a pro, you know, a a, a funneling program for the professionals. It was very much a do your own thing and we'll kind of, you know, support you when we can. Um, I think my first women's world teams became in like 16th or 17th. Now we're number two in the world. So it's kind of, when you think about that, it's been pretty ridiculous, you know, exponential growth. Um, and I think that comes down to so many things, but I think, you know, first and foremost, the support of U.S. Wash and the funding scheme coming together, I think, you know, it, it really, it makes it so much easier. You, you can't coach and play and do your best. It's just too exhausting. I, I tried it in the beginning um, and you can't do it. So without U.S. Wash funding and supporting, I think it doesn't work. But I also think that now that we have the center, we have this kind of hub of, knowledge and expertise and you know with bang he and bridget we have this beautiful facility with glass court access right that makes a huge difference we've got a sauna you know and a, a, a fueling station i mean i don't i don't know any of these things we've got a fueling station with you know greek yogurts and proteins and stuff downstairs to make sure that we're fueling right it's everything is so easily accessible for us and right there that i think you know as long as you're still actively trying to learn and become and become your best self you have every tool in the toolbox here available to help you do so that's amazing yeah i mean obviously uh, the proof in the pudding uh, i mean 
the women. Uh, I was going to get we'll get oh. a little bit later. You guys finishing second at the world teams, and then also the the promising results on the men's side as well. There are several totally. guys there that are doing. You know, they're they're just about ready to break through. But uh, you know, the women's game uh, from ba- I would say basically. You know, you might disagree, but from five through twenty or even thirty, it's just so close. Uh, everybody's totally. so close, and you've proven. Uh, you, you mentioned it earlier. You've had wins over Joelle King, Olivia Feichter, another um, uh, American. Uh, she's in the top ten. The Gillis, the Gillis sisters. You've you've beaten all of them uh, recently, and uh, you know the top ten is obviously uh, within your reach. So, besides, uh, you know, your strength and uh, and fitness routine, what else do you think? Uh, you need to keep up the uh, the momentum, the February momentum there, Olivia. Honestly, I think it's just staying really process oriented. You know, I I can't control the results. I can't control whether I show up and feel a hundred percent, but I can control my preparation. I can control leaving everything I've got on the line. You know, I think it's every day is a new day and that means it can go one way, you know, it can go m- many different ways, I guess. It's just loving what I do every day and showing up. And I think showing up and being ready for battle is mm. that was my goal for February was literally just, I want to be ready so that I can do battle with anyone. And then, okay, I have these results, but that doesn't mean that my expectation is that it's going to get easy. In fact, all I'm preparing for is that it's just going to get harder. People are going to be get better. They're going to mm. be hunting me down they're gonna be hunting other people down i'm gonna be hopefully getting better hunting people down myself you know i i I think you know it's not i i read this amazing quote what was it was talking about how confidence is like not a very reliable source but courage is is a reliable source because Mm -hmm. of you know of doing things because confidence is like this like very intangible just like kind of this feeling that oh you know just you know be confident. Well, what does confidence mean? But to be courageous means you step up no matter what the situation is and you give it your best shot no matter what. And I think that to go forward, you know, I I can't promise results. I can't promise results to my team. I can't promise results to myself or to anyone really. But I can promise that I'm going to give 100% of myself to going and being my best self, to fighting until the death every single time I get up, get on there. And honestly, I think that's really what it boils down to being prepared and ready to go through that pain, that discomfort and come out on the other side. Mm. I was just thinking, I mean, maybe, uh, maybe you could say sort uh, confidence is like byproduct product of, of courage. almost. Oh, totally. I think that's, yeah, I, I think that's a great way of saying it. Cause it, it's, it's one of those things too, where I think it's elusive, right? We're always, you think it's going to come after one win. You're like, oh yeah, just one good win and then I'll have confidence. And I'm like, mm. well, what do you, what do you have confidence in? Right. Oh, myself. Well, what's myself on a squash court? I don't know what myself is now if we're talking, having confidence in my straight length, in my watching, in my feet, right. In my, in my agility, in my fitness. Mm. Okay. That's faith. That's like having faith in those things, knowing that you worked on them, right? Maybe that's why. Maybe that's why I didn't do so great before because I didn't really have that much faith in them because there wasn't there wasn't anything to have faith in really. Whereas now I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, well, I can back myself here. I can back myself there, you know, and that confidence of of those things. But my being confident in myself is like this. I mean, I don't know. I think it's just 
not for me. It's not for me anyway. It's not for me. Well, I don't know. I mean, I was just thinking now too. I mean, with with the great results you had in February, I mean, that's going to inject confidence in a lot of other people too. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's. I mean, it comes down to just doing the work. I'm I am confident. I'm confident that what I'm doing works. I, I will say that I'm. I believe in what I'm doing. I believe in the people I have around me. I believe in the decisions I'm making. I believe in the votes I'm casting. I'm confident. I can confidently say that the work works. So now it's just a, a matter of continuing to do the work. Amazing. Good stuff there. Uh, now, and since the, uh, Olivia, you played uh, world number one, Noren Gohar yeah. in the final. And uh, by far, she's the most consistent pro player on tour, men or man or woman. Uh, you know, all, and we all uh, know about the intensity with which she plays the game. But you definitely uh, you you held your own, especially in the first two games. And uh, you know, when you look back on that match, and I'm not sure how many times you've played her, but uh, over the years, but probably a couple. Uh, when, when you look back at it, uh, where do you think you matched up well? Because you did. And where were the areas sort of that, uh, you know, where she was able to sneak it, sneak those games? Yeah, I think, I mean, she's the Terminator for a reason. She's going to go <laughs> go hard, right? Um, but, yeah, I think I, I competed well. And in the back of the court, actually, I thought, you know, I, it's really hard. I, I was saying to to maybe it was my dad uh, right after the tournament. It's very hard. Like I hadn't played a top three player in a couple of years at this point. Um, just haven't gotten that far in any tournaments <laughs> um, to play anyone. And there is, it does kind of feel like there's like the one, two, three, and then a little bit of a gap, like a gap. And then kind of maybe four downwards is a, is a little bit more people can beat everyone. That's, that's kind of how I've seen it. I just think, yeah those top three kind of are consistently in the semifinal, like what, you know, two of them are in the finals every time. Right. And, um, but so it's very hard to, you know, I knew I was playing good squash. Obviously I'd had a couple of good wins earlier in the week and I knew that the standard of my squash was pretty high, but it's very hard to tell where you're going to match up against the top three um, and how that's going to feel. Honestly, like I, I, I think I surprised myself. I probably should have won that first game. I was what, 10, six up. Yeah. Um, in the first <laughs> game, and I felt like my length was world class, and that was competing well with her. Um, I thought that my movement was world class, and that was competing well. Um, and then when I got the opportunity to take balls in, I, I felt like that was also world class. So I was, I was, you know, doing all right there. But then as soon as you just give her a, an inch, and this is it, it's like. There's, it's the most unforgiving, relentless type of pressure from her because it's all fine and dandy if you're managing the pressure. But the moment I gave her an inch, those kills come in, you're in trouble, right? Yeah. I hit one loose ball, I'm in trouble. I'm doing a sprint, right? Yeah. And although maybe unlike some of the other girls, and she, you know, Neuron doesn't maybe use um, the front of the court as much, she is very powerful from the front of the court. So if you take her in and you're all willy-nilly with it, you are going to get eaten alive, which is what happened to me. Um, towards the end, you know, she the, the ball kind of it cools down a little bit. All of a sudden, she's cracking kills. I put in a boast, and it's like, 
are you are you ready to do a sprint like are you are you wanting to do a sprint are you <laughs> is this about to become a pressure <laughs> session here um but yeah i mean she really is the pace is un unrelenting unrelenting but i will say this i do feel like i didn't feel out like outside of myself when i was playing i didn't feel like it was too much to handle mm -hmm. i would think i was a little bit surprised that maybe i could actually stick in there a little bit um which is all part of the learning process right like when you don't know what to expect um but yeah i mean honestly i think i think women's squash is headed in the right direction i think it's it's impressive the athleticism yeah. the skill qual you know the skill level is just insane the quality of plays we have our own sense of drama and you know different mm. matchups i think that there is you know, without the really like grandiose over the top drama that <laughs> I hate to say it, but I think sometimes exists in a little bit of the guys game. Sorry, yeah. boys. Um, <laughs> we don't quite have that, um, which is, which is nice, but yeah. I think the future of women's squash is, is so strong and it's, I mean, what a joy to get to be a part of this generation. Well, 100%. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, there are some really good rivalries on the men's tour, but sometimes it gets, you know, they get too caught up in the, a little too much. And, yeah. And <laughs> our, you know, the argumentative stuff, but on the women's side, there's some huge, uh, huge, hugely exciting and entertaining matches with, which, uh, you know, the Gohar, um, Amami, uh, stuff. Is oh, just, it's great. It's great, and that you know they don't get into it with officials. They just go out and play, and occasionally there's a bit of a, you know, it gets physical and might get feisty. Totally. That, 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 that's what you know. That's what spectators like to see. Totally, it's and it's professional sport. Like people are trying to put food on the table, and you know, reputation, and it's it's a lot, but it's fun. You know. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Now, uh, now I wanted to um, you know, move on just a little bit here. Recently, obviously, we had uh, Alan on the on the podcast just shortly after uh, he retired from the PSA, and now he's, as you mentioned, he's over at uh, at Princeton. Uh, yeah, assistant coach. Uh, talk about Alan's accomplishments, if you don't mind. Uh, you know, I know he's won at, at least nine Scottish national championships, and you know, he's a legend I think it's over there. Ten? Nine ten? or ten, yeah. It might ten, be ten, I think. Ten. Yeah. I think ten. it's ten. That's, that's a good round number, ten. That makes sense. It is nice. It sounds nice. So um, oh. just wondering how proud you are of what he achieved uh, and and uh, how excited you are for his move into uh, U.S. college uh, squash coaching. You know, honestly, I think <laughs> this is going to sound so cringy. I'm always proud of everything <laughs> that he's achieved in his squash. Yeah. But honestly, I'm I'm the most proud of watching him become this amazing coach and this mentor to the young men of that he coaches at Princeton. It it's been like this crazy delight to see him transition into a different role. And you know, transitioning out of professional sport, especially when you know we've been someone as you've been so you know as disciplined and determined and day in day out. Talk about like a disciplined person who wakes up, you know, eats, breathes, sleeps, trying to get better and being their best selves. And for someone who maximized their capabilities, I think a hundred percent, you know, mm -hmm. to just make, you know, basically, you know, click the fingers and you're doing this different thing. And although he's still involved in squash, it is different. And he's no longer this, you know, when you're a professional athlete, you are the center of your focus. And now all of a sudden he has like, 
15 boys that are the center of his focus. Um, but he's really moved so seamlessly. I think, you know, as a wife, I'm just so proud. I, I hear so many amazing things from different parents and people saying, oh my gosh, we love him there. He, you know, he's the first person to, to say, yes, I'll play with you. Yes, I'll do this. And, you know, he cares so deeply about each and every one of his players. And I think that honestly, it's a really joy. It's joyous for me as a wife to see him that way. We've always had this kind of different relationship where really uh, it's going to sound funny, but although we are squash players, it's been very much like an off court relationship for us. It's we, we we aren't like all the time talking about squash at home. Maybe me now more so because I'm just like kind of addicted to it at the moment. (laughs) But we, you know, we've always been like this kind of different um, couple where it's, it's been less about the squash, but I love hearing him talk about the guys and who's improving what and what's, you know, this and that. And he just cares so deeply. I think that I'm just, I'm just so proud of him. Um, it's, you know, there are moments where I'm, I'm away and I'm just like, dang, I just wish he was here and it'd be so much better if he was here. But I also know that no matter what, we've got each other's backs where, wherever we are. And yeah, I mean, honestly, I think the guys at Princeton are so lucky. I hope that they, know that I didn't always you know appreciate him being on tour enough or hitting or hitting with me enough uh, you know now when I mm. I ask him to hit with me I'm like overjoyed when I get to finally get on court with him because <laughs> he's so busy <laughs> um, yeah. and now I like you know it's like dang I've taken this for granted too much because to get on court with him now is like you know once every couple of weeks I'm like yes finally <laughs> but uh yeah no he's he's done so much and I think he's going to continue to play for Scotland because that's always been his, you know, one of the, the most important things to him is representing his country. And he's always done so with such charisma and character and pride. So I think he's going to continue to do that. And honestly, I'm just, I'm excited to see his next future steps. And I, I just feel lucky that I get to be a part, a part of all of his futures, you know? Yeah, the I mean that the U.S. college squash is so exciting these days. You you watch all I've seen a few of the matches uh, uh, online here recently, and, and the excitement that's involved in in, in those. Oh, matches. it's crazy! Crazy, yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's it's so stressful. I mean, <laughs> I can barely ha- handle watching Alan play one match, let alone you know. And it really does become that you know when you're when the team is your team, it's your team. Those are your boys, mm-hmm. you know, and it's 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 intense you go and watch in there those matches when they come down to the wire you're twitching i'm like I, I look worse than my dad watching these things alan looks worse than my dad watching these things you know because it's it's stressful you want them to win you know not because of the, the score it's like because you know that they work hard you want them to know that joy of achieve you know of, ach- of achieving you know it's it doesn't always get to work that way but it's really it sure is nice when it does you know mm. oh for sure now uh, Livia, I, I, we we mentioned it earlier. The the U.S. Uh, women uh, made history uh, in December. You know, reaching the world uh, women's uh, the, the final, finishing second. It was yourself, Amanda, and Sabrina Sobi, and Olivia Fichter, uh, all top twenty in the world. And two of you, uh, I think, still, yeah, Olivia and Amanda are in the top ten. Uh, you've yeah. played in many of these team events over the years. So many, I'm sure. Uh, this team was obviously one that was extremely talented and maybe stood out above the rest. So how excited, uh, you know, prior to the event, uh, were you heading in and, 
you know, how proud uh, of uh, the result uh, are you now? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think there's definitely this, uh, how, what's the right word? This <laughs> female power that is going on in U.S. squash right now. I think there yeah. is this huge boost and we are all pushing each other on constantly. I think whether it's, in sessions itself, you know, who knows? It's, it, I think it's just this knowledge that everyone's getting better. And so you got to step up your game. Okay, now you got to step up your game. You got to step up your game. Um, but I've known the, all of these ladies since we were super young. Um, we've played on junior teams together, other senior teams together. Um, and to have it all kind of come together into this culmination of you know, number two in the world is so special, um, yeah. extremely exciting. I think, honestly, <laughs> I think, I honestly think that we're not that satisfied. I think, I think there's this, this also this energy of like, why not Egypt? Why not us? Why not? Why not? Why couldn't our team be the best team in the world? Um, so I think, I think everyone's, I think everyone should be back in for two years or a year and a half time where whenever that next, uh, that next event is. And I think that there's definitely going to be this energy of why not us? Why not number one? Oh, definitely. I mean, you weren't that far off there. Uh, no, not you know, at all. It was, a, it was a good one. It was a, it was a great, it was great to see and great to see it all play out that way. So congratulations uh, to you. And Thank you. Yeah. Now, uh, I just want, uh, I don't know if you saw on Twitter, I think it was about a week or so ago, and uh, not not that I want you to comment directly about about it, but uh, I don't know if you saw that it was Sabrina Sova, she tweeted a, a diary entry, uh, mm. basically said uh, she was, this, this was from a year back, she said she wasn't getting any joy out of squash and she lost all desire uh, to train. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, one year later, she, you know, she flipped the, the switch and uh, juxtaposed it with how she felt reinvigorated. But are those feelings, uh, I mean, you've prob have, you, have you had similar periods in your career where you felt that way? Absolutely. And I, I, I honestly think that you would be struggling to find any athlete who hasn't had those feelings before. I remember Alan and I were watching the Breakpoint tennis on Netflix and mm. there was a couple of results afterwards where they're like, you know, all these players, like the amount of times that they like retire for, for like, a, you know, <laughs> for a day and a half. Cause I'm right. like, I'm done with this. I'm done with this. This is driving me crazy. Um, you know, I think that's a dime a dozen. I think that's happening all the time. And, I think at the end of the day, it's very hard to shake the bug of wanting to know your potential. And mm -hmm. I, I do think that no matter what, you'll always be hungry to find out what, what, if you've really done everything you can, and then you're like, this is not making me happy, then you will retire and you'll retire a happy person. You'll stop and you'll say, I have done everything I can. I'm fulfilled. But until you find that fulfillment, and I think it's very hard for anyone to give it up. I know that I've had times in my life where I've been like, well, I'm unfulfilled and I'm still giving it up. And that lasts a hot second. Um, and then I'm right back. Okay. But what can I change and what can I do better? Mm -hmm. um, I yeah. So I've definitely, I, I know exactly how she feels. I think it's so, so brave of her to put that out into the world yeah. because people need to know it and people need to know that they're not alone because it's, it's really easy to think that you are the only person feeling that way. And you are, you know, 
Sabrina is definitely not the only person I I've been there. I, I could probably name on, you know, I'd need more hands and more feet to name all the players that I've heard of mm. who've had that same struggle. So I think it's, you know, that's where that courage comes in and saying, okay, yeah, that, okay, do I, do I really not want to do it anymore? Do I need to make a change? And obviously, you know, Sabrina is a hard worker. She's, she made the change. She's got, you know, flipped the switch. And, and to me, that's, there's nothing more to be proud of than that, right? To be able to mm -hmm. say, hey, no, I do want to do this and I'm going to, I'm going to try it and do it a different way. So kudos to her. And honestly, all the power to her for sharing that because it's, it's hard to not feel like, you are alone and she's gifted a lot of people that knowledge that they aren't. Yeah. The, so the Sobe sisters are pretty good Twitter followers. Uh, yeah. Totally. Totally. Not me. I'm like, I can't, so. I like make, I, I end up trying to be self deprecating because I just can't take myself seriously at all. I'm like, I, I'm like, you look like a, go a goofy goober doing all of this stuff best to just <laughs> make fun of yourself before anyone else does because yeah <laughs> that's the way of the world these days exactly take your take what you do seriously but take yourself not so seriously <laughs> yeah. yeah um you've been great with your time and just a couple more things here the, the you won the british junior open in 2007 if i'm not mistaken yeah uh and we've seen some real i mean the lot the in this most recent uh, British Junior Open. I think you might have been one of the first to win. Were you the first American to win a British Junior Open? Um, I was not. Michelle Kubel won the under-17s. Right. Okay. You you were one of the first anyways. So we, yeah. <laughs> we've seen several more very good results recently. And, and this year we had uh, Madison Ho. She won yep. uh, You got for, for the U.S. the under-17 and also on the boys' side, Carlton Capella. He won the under-13. So, I mean, it definitely, as you were saying earlier, uh, just in terms of the, the development of U.S. squash, I mean, it's also uh, proof in the pudding right there as well. Oh, 100%. I mean, these juniors are getting stronger and stronger. I definitely think that there is a an air of professionalism uh, that didn't exist maybe when I was a kid. I think they're definitely, the kids are, um, specializing a lot younger, they're training like professionals a lot younger, probably more like the way that they do in Egypt, which is why we are actually able to be competitive with the Egyptians. Um, and so, uh, widely, I mean, we had so many quarter, like not just only do we have winners, we had semifinalists, quarterfinalists, runners, I mean, like thick, like thick amount of numbers. Um, and there's a hunger there that is, that is pressing. And I think that. I mean, it's, it's so exciting to see. It's so, it's, it's very exciting to see. I'm, I'm definitely encouraged by the standard of squash that is happening in the United States. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. That's, it's good to see because I mean, obviously Egypt's dominating, but, but when you look yeah. at just, just back a few rounds in, in each of those draws, I mean, there's quite a lot of diversity there. Absolutely. So we can, uh, we have a lot to look forward to. Just uh, last thing, Olivia, um, we just had uh, the Squash on Fire event, a uh, 15-year-old, speaking of Egyptians, yeah. Amina Orphan, she got to the final. And yeah. um, she, uh, um, who she lose to in the final? It was, uh, oh yeah, 10. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, also we just had the U.S. Uh, High School Squash Championships on. Yeah. 
And one thing that I've noticed that a lot of people commenting on, and it could be just the, a few players, but it, it just seems that there have been a lot of people uh, complaining about the, the court behavior of some of the juniors. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if there's a, if it's a lack of maturity or if, or if it's a if um, obviously it is, but it, it, it has to do a lot with uh, you know who's coaching these people. As well yeah, and I, I do. I unfortunately think that perhaps we need to look at some of the professionals' own behavior. I mean, I know I like a. I like a fist pump as much as the next person. And that doesn't necessarily send the best message to our juniors who are watching. Mm. Um, but it is really important because, I mean, that's like the what, the number one rule of parenting is that your kids are watching everything and they're going to do what you do. Yeah, right. Yeah. So it's the same thing as it, <laughs> as it pertains to squash, right. It's like the kids are watching and they're going to do what you do. And I, ha I have to admit, it, it does make me extremely sad actually to see some of the behavior it, it's it's very hard. I think that there's, you know, obviously other pressures. There's parental pressures. There's coaching pressures. There's, you know, expect, expectation pressures um, on these kids. But I think that there is this element of that that can't be okay. And that just because your kid wins doesn't mean that their behavior is allowed to be, um, you know, is forgotten about just to be honest with you, just like the same in the professional players, like just because you're one of the best players in the world doesn't give you a right to act like that because guess what? The game is so much bigger than any one of us. It's so much bigger than any of the professionals and it's so much bigger than the junior players. We are so blessed and privileged to play this game. And I think it's about time that we start honoring it the right way and treating not just our opponents with more respect or, you know, others who do this, you know, our fellow players, players and you know training partners and co-workers essentially but I think it's time to start honoring the game the right way and knowing that, that that's not what this game is about this game is about creating character building character you know building good human beings who yes can are extremely competitive and amazing athletes who are able to create you know do these amazing feats and be creative and have their heart rates at you know 200 beats per minute and still perform but again, it's at this higher level of, you know, the greatness is in honoring the game. The game is great. And we are just small, small parts of this bigger thing, you know, this, this great thing of squash. Yeah, hopefully, uh, you know, after the dust settles a bit, maybe coaches, maybe parents, that you know, they, they catch wind of sort of the what people are saying right now but totally obviously uh, i mean as a extremely uh, talented girl but uh, you know the sort of the the reaction that he got from you know reaching the final it should it should be all positive yeah but it, it's not so. no it's t and it's tough you know like again it's results are amazing but like <laughs> i always think this i i have so many my i have a very strong memory and I have so many moments that I'm so, I feel so embarrassed about that I can go back to in my head and be like, oh my gosh, you were such a, you know, bleep when you were a kid, you were such an, oh, oh, can you remember when you said that? Can you remember when you acted that way? And you are a long time retired, right? Like one day you're going to have to sit with that behavior with who you are for the rest of your life. And you're going to have to teach your children, right? For the rest of your life. And do you want it to be like that? You know, that's my answer. It's a long-term 
you know, it's easy in the moment to be caught up in this stuff, but can we take a long-term look at it and be like, look, one day you're going to have to look back on this and are you going to kind of cringe a little bit or are you going to be like, hey, I'm all right with that. I did my best. I was honorable and, you know, did, did, did right by everyone around me, my competitors, myself, you know, and so on. Yeah, I'm going to, uh, let's just drop the mic on that one, uh, Olivia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, really, uh, again, apologies. I didn't realize it was uh, three years since uh, you've been on them. <laughs> all good. Fantastic to have you back. I want to wish you all the best uh, coming up. you got the British Open, I guess, is, is your next event. Yeah. Uh, and I've got actually got two 50Ks. I've got um, Chestnut Hill Classic uh, in Philly, which is nice, so I can stay at my house. Oh, cool. And then Toronto and then British Open. Okay, so two. Yeah, that's good. Uh, on the calendar, I could only see the one. But yeah. uh, those two, those, those are, that's a, you know, 50K events. Those are good. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. I'm excited. All right. Well, all the best in those. And again, many thanks for the for your time today. Thank you so much, Jerry. Have a great day. Well, that was absolutely awesome with Olivia Klein there. Really enjoyed having her back on and uh, will not wait uh, three, four years uh, to do it again. Let's try to do uh, let's try to have Olivia on at least uh, once a year. Why not? It's just uh, amazing uh, chatting with her and, and great to see her playing such good squash. Uh, currently, uh, she's into the corridors of Chestnut Hill in Philly where she's playing uh playing Rachel Arnold next. I think Rachel's seeded five, Olivia's three in that event. Uh, also, uh, in terms of squash, it's ongoing, obviously, uh, black ball, and uh, we've had some some upsets on the men's side, some big ones, and uh, currently part two of the round two matches uh, are underway. But uh, yesterday, a world-class performance by Joel Macon in taking out uh, former world number one Paul Cole. It was a tremendous match. I watched it. Uh, that fourth game was riveting. Um, uh, Joel was playing some very hard-nosed and, and tactical squash. Uh, Paul got a bit unlucky uh, as did Joel actually early in early in that game I thought uh, he got some bad calls uh, called against him but he hung in there and Paul had a had a very important I forget what the score was it might have been eight all or nine all in the fourth and then uh, Cole had a really easy uh, sort of had the whole court open played a drop shot into the tin and that uh, gave I think it might have given Joel at least to 9-8 or uh, maybe even 10-8 took him to match ball but uh, I was really impressed with Joel's level and how he stayed focused uh, earlier early in that fourth uh, despite uh, a few calls that seemed to go against him uh, at critical points also, um, world number one, Mustafa Saul, he went down. Ferris Tosuki played uh, what I would say to his ability, and his ability, in my estimation, is pretty close to world number one, and he took out the world number one in straight games. Uh, there were a few moments, uh, sorry, I saw movement issues again. Uh, one, I think it was in the fourth earlier, uh, well, there was one in the fourth where he, uh, where it was an obvious uh, assault misstep, no pun intended. And then, uh, you know, he was a stroke against and then a, war a warning, and that was deserved. Um, and, uh, and then shortly after that, another stroke against Assal, which, uh, which I felt and I think most people felt was extremely harsh, including uh, Joey and Johnny. Um, but Assal really did nothing wrong. Uh, yeah, he did nothing wrong in, in, the, in that second ins instance where there was a stroke against them and another uh, harsh warning from the official. 
But uh, the first let was definitely uh, a movement issue. Now, I don't think it was, um, you know, I don't think he meant, I don't think it was on purpose, but it's more for him, it's more force of habit. Uh, and I think he, this is why he needs to, to address this and, and uh, really make a conscious effort to, to improve his movements. And the harsh call was the official obviously assuming Dasuki's uh, complaint was legit um, and that's just going to dog us off for as long as it takes for him to sort of clean up those uh, those poor movements like we saw in uh, in the uh, in the fourth that first one which was definitely a stroke and definitely deserve it of uh, of a warning and uh, especially given his uh, his past so let's just hope that he can try to clean that up i will say this he uh you know despite those harsh calls against him uh you know Saul just seems to look back at the ref give him a little glance a quizzical look and then move on which is pretty good uh on his part but uh regardless a great great win for ferris and um i think he can win at the highest level when he plays like that but he doesn't do that all the time especially when the chips uh, when the when the going gets tough, but if uh, he plays like he did yesterday, and he keeps his head on his shoulders, uh, he's got a good shot at winning this. Uh, it was also great to see uh, Kareem Abdul Gawad back on court and in the winner's circle. Uh, he looked really good. He actually had a bagel there against uh, the Frenchman who he played in his first round match. Eleven love uh, a, a bunch of errors from uh, from his opponent. I believe it was Auguste Dussault. Uh, correct, uh, mispronounced his last name, but uh, uh, Augusta probably, I think he hit several uh, into the 10, but also Kareem, uh, as he's known for, uh, hit some glorious uh, winners there. Now he's got uh, Mohamed Al Sherbagi up next, and Johnny uh, Williams, uh, apparently, he's, he claims to have heard, he's got his ear to the ground, that Gawad has been on fire uh, in practice matches of late, not losing any, uh, just uh, lighting people up. But um, MES is a different animal, and will certainly, uh, Mohamed will certainly look, uh, be looking to make it physical. And that's where sort of that's where Gawad's uh, current uh, level, his current uh, condition, uh, could be a bit suspect. He's just back from injury. He's been away a while, so maybe he's um, sort of uh, didn't come back until he knew he was physically capable of uh, of performing at the highest level. I hope that's the case. Uh, Kareem's one of my favorite players to watch, and when uh, I think probably for everybody when he's playing his best. Uh, there aren't many out there that uh, that can do what he does, move the way he does, playing up and down that backhand wall the, the way he does, move the ball around the court uh, the way he does. It's uh, it's amazing to watch. So it should be an interesting uh, second-round match. I believe it's second round uh, against Mohamed El Sherbagi coming up. I think that's tomorrow. The women's draw is going according to plan, according to the seedings, although there was an upset today, earlier. Uh, Tine Hillis uh, pulled off a minor upset over Rowan El Arabi. Rowan uh, has lost a couple of matches like that recently, and Tinny's uh, in form. I, I guess she's she had a bit of an injury earlier uh, in the year, but she seems to be back. She won a recent uh, event uh, in the U.S., I believe, and um, I could be wrong there, but I know she she won a recent event, and uh, now she's just pulled off a nice win here, so she moves forward. Rowan's uh, out, but uh, all the other seeds are through, and it uh, bodes well for uh, some really exciting squash on the women's side as well. So lots of great squash at Black Ball. Don't forget Chestnut and Philly. Follow uh, Olivia. 
Olivia Klein's uh, march towards perhaps another final and another title. Uh, coming up on the pod, we have a squash Guinness Book World Record holder and a friend of mine, Alex Preston, coming on. He's going to tell us all about the record that he broke early. I think it was in, uh, last summer. Um, we also going to have. Uh, Danny uh, Danny Lee is going to be coming on talking about the uh, Aptasia uh, Open, which is coming up at Wimbledon uh, in the very near future. And Ed Alvarez is going to come back on, and he's going to flesh out a lot of the stuff uh, that he brought to the table for the uh, the squash panel that we just had. Uh, he's got uh, his ear to the ground in terms. Well, he, he's part of. Uh, the paddle movement now, I guess, as a as a club owner and a, an investor in sports facilities, uh, he's he's involved in that, and he's going. But he's a lifelong squash player, a lover of the game, so he's going to come on and break all that down and give us some insight in terms of where. I think typically Ed will tell us about where squash has dropped the ball. I mean, he's coming from the perspective of a of a club owner, and um, you know, he wants he's out there looking at the bottom line and uh, where squash needs to raise the uh, you know raise the bar a bit and uh, push the envelope a bit in terms of getting things back to where it was, and which was um, a big part of our panel discussion. If you haven't listened to it. Please do so. Episode 255, there are a couple of episodes back. Quite a bit of food for thought there. And Ed's going to flesh out even more from his perspective in about a week or so from now. Also, just uh, there, we've got a few surprises I'm looking forward to, but I can't reveal them just yet. Not until I firm things up. That's a bit of a jinx I've found over the years. So um, I won't reveal those just yet, but we've got some good ones if everything comes to fruition. Many thanks for listening today. Many thanks to Olivia Klein, a great pod, and all the best with your squash. Goodbye now. <laughs>